For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Good evening, Josh. Hello. And tonight on the program, we'll have Greg Adelstein on from I Got Your Media. We'll talk to Stephanie Darwish about uh, digital marketing as well. Uh, but first, let's uh, review some of the uh, latest news uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship here in Quebec. And uh, let's begin with some good news, shall we? Good, and, good news in Quebec that's always good. Yeah, a new heritage project uh, to help redevelop the uh, the old port of Montreal, uh, Hotel Viget. Uh, this is nice to see. Uh, it's a $250 million uh, project uh, to revive the, the eastern part of uh, old Montreal and uh, certainly a lot of potential there. Um, are we? Uh, is Montreal getting better, Josh? Is there is there more investment, uh, particularly in real estate, uh, starting to come in slowly? Uh, there are certainly glimpses of it, but is it enough? Is it is it really great for the city? Are there still problems that have to be overcome? Is there enough money that people want to bring into the city and invest? Uh, still not yet. This is this is really, uh, and it's a big project. Nobody's scoffing at two hundred fifty million dollar uh, re rejuvenation or regentrification of the, of that area, but. It's uh, a. It's not exactly started yet, um, the, and there there are a lot of projects around. I mean, we do see more cranes in the air, thankfully. Um, but what does it really mean in the end? Is it a little bit too much? Is it, uh, you know, time will tell. When when you first started to see the cranes was two thousand nine. You know, just after, and people were trying to get into it. You still see the buildings going on. You still projects that should take. 18 months, 24 months are taking 36 months, 48 mm. months. So it's it's, find it's really a slow process. Yeah. What about you know there are you mentioned a lot of cranes going up but still uh, a lot of retail spaces uh vacant. I mean you look at some some streets uh, Saint-Laurent, Prince Arthur, Saint-Denis, even St. Catherine uh some serious issues there. What does that mean when when retail is suffering but the cranes are still so it so means it, I think it means that uh, businesses can renegotiate their rents or when they're going into new space, they can be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, the landlords out there and certainly in downtown Montreal, I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of square feet available to rent and it is becoming a lessee's market, a lessor's market, a renter's market. Uh, more than anything else. So I think for, for entrepreneurs, for businesses, that's good for them. They can negotiate a good deal and, and they should do so. And if they're not experienced, let them hire a broker to do it. It's uh, it's good bang for the buck. Certainly with all these cranes uh, up in Montreal, let's, uh, we certainly should take a, an eye on the falling loony. Um, how is that uh, going to affect uh, businesses in, in Quebec in the uh, in the coming months? That is, uh, that is on the forefront of everybody's mind these days and the falling loony. I mean, you can certainly match that with the with the drop in oil prices but that I won't say that's yesterday's news the oil but today's loony I mean everybody's talking about it how do you protect themselves a lot of people are kicking themselves saying you know in December it was it was much better it was a dollar 11 if you're looking at it that way and now it's uh, you know a dollar 25 approaching a dollar 30 and people are absolutely kicking themselves where is it going Good question. I wish I had a crystal ball. A lot of people think that it's going to stay around the dollar thirty side. Might depend on oil, but most importantly for entrepreneurs, it's well, what do you do? How do you if you if you haven't been proactive, then how do you react? How do you ensure, or you got to make sure that it's built into your pricing? You got to look and see what products out there 
whether banking, financing, forward exchange products, currency, that that can help you mitigate some of the fluctuations that are going. And I think entrepreneurs, where they kind of were in a lull for many years with the dollar at par, uh, you, you, it moves so quickly, it caught a lot of them by surprise, and that's unfortunate. The founder, co-founder of uh, Lululemon, Chip Wilson, uh, has uh, stepped down and uh, some issues uh, with uh, with that company going on. You may recall he said something to the effect of, uh, well, women's bodies, some women's bodies, just not made for our clothes. <laughs> not exactly the most politically correct statement. Uh, but uh, what's your take on Lululemon? Uh, a great Canadian retail success story. I think there's still space for Lululemon. I think they make a, a phenomenal product. Uh, the question is, is the market saturated? Do they have the right leader? Do they have the right belief system? And what are their plans going forward? It's not just Canada that's on the, that, that, that should be on the, on the list. I mean, they op they've opened stores in the Far East. They've opened everywhere. So there's something happening behind the scenes that maybe we just don't know about, but it, it's, it's an amazing product. And marketing at the right price point, and it's not a cheap product, but they're well-made. So there's definitely a market out there for it. The question is, are they in the right locations and are they marketing to the right people? The guy stepping down, uh, I'm, there's no doubt there's something behind the scenes that, that we haven't been told because I, I think Lululemon, while it's not a major, major player when you compare it to the big box stores, has a great niche market. We get uh, a lot of ideas for stories from the small business section in the Globe and Mail, and they have some really interesting ideas for entrepreneurs. And uh, one is uh, a chief customer officer, a column uh, in the Globe and Mail about that, and uh, and you know why why more and more businesses are adopting a CCO. Um, if you have a maybe not obviously not for a small business, but for a medium sized business, so what are, what are the advantages or of a CCO, or is it sort of one of those just superfluous kind of fun positions that we don't really pay much attention to? You know, it's. Uh, I think I think it, it might be more of a luxury than anything else. Just just the title itself. Uh, I mean, the reality is, if you're in business, and I'm sure Greg will attest to it later, everybody's got to be a customer service mm -hmm. officer. I mean, you really got to if if it's if you're not doing something that's in the best interest of your client of your customer, then you won't be in business tomorrow. So having this this customer officer uh, is uh, it's important, but it's just a title. Everybody should kind of play that role. Uh, and in a smaller business, of course, you can't have a separate person do it. In a larger business, you might be able to have somebody focus on it. But the reality is, if it's not in the culture of the firm to begin with, where everybody kind of takes on and plays a little part of that customer-focused role, uh, I think I think there are bigger problems in that entrepreneurial business. So is that that's sort of like a marketing position in a way, uh, just to, just another way of saying we have this person devoted exclusively to your satisfaction. Call it marketing. Call it business development. Uh, you know, it depends. Are they selling a product or or is it a service? You know, it's probably more business development in the service line. It's probably a little a little bit of both marketing and and business development. If you're selling a, a product or a widget, uh, and how do you get it out there, and what what kind of visibility do you get, and and certainly measuring all the metrics because there's a ton of information that comes in. And to have somebody measure it and focus in the right area, that does take time and effort and energy. Another interesting story from the Globe and Mail. Part-time work past 65, a uh, necessary reality uh, for many. And uh, this is kind of interesting because the whole baby boomer is going to retire at 65 thing, not exactly panning out from, from most baby boomers. So that creates uh, a lot of expertise, I think, in the, uh, in, in, uh, in the labor market, especially for part-time. Um, do you think that uh, the, a lot of employers, a lot of small, medium-sized businesses should take a, 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 a harder look at seniors who are looking for part-time work? I think it's definitely one avenue to go through. 
there's no question there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise and somebody with 40 years of experience. The question becomes, do they have the right fit with your company? Does a 65-year-old have the right or the same culture that a newer business and say a group of 30-year-olds or even 40-year-olds, is there the right fit? There's the right knowledge. There's no question about it. But does that character fit with the organization that's there today? And, you know, we all know there's the different generations that are out there. Uh, and we, listen, we have four generations under our roof at, at Fuller Lando. And it is, everybody is driven a little bit differently. And for this, when you say these over 65 people, they can offer a hell of a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. But if they're, they don't have the right mentality, if they don't have the, the, the right attitude to mix in with the culture, then they could cause more damage than they're worth. We'll learn about I Gotcha Media and uh, Greg Adelstein will join us in a moment here on Today's Entrepreneur at 7.15. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 719 on CJAD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our profile this evening is Greg Adelstein of I Gotcha Media. Greg, welcome back to CJAD. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to be here You're again. Here just, uh, yeah, just a couple months ago, we had uh, your wife Sarah on from Show and Tell Fashion. So it's a, a real family of entrepreneurs. That's right. Um, Sarah was here a couple months ago, and uh, she's uh, my support system and fabulous uh uh, entrepreneurial family. We've got a couple of kids who will <laughs> follow either in her footsteps or in my footsteps. They're uh, they're pretty young at the moment, one and three years old. But I figure in a in a couple of years they'll be putting in some time after uh, after they finish. Uh, ne ne never never too early to start. <laughs> so let's get the show on the road. And uh, why don't you give us an idea? Tell us what I Got You Media is all about. Well, I Got You Media is a digital agency. We uh, provide strategy and solutions for connecting brands and their clients together. We provide digital solutions that include hardware and software, um, integration or installation services, content development, um, data and uh, data management services and analysis and network management. Can you give us an example like where would we see the the kind of digital signage that that you're referring to? Sure, we're uh, we're working with companies like the National Bank of Canada, and we uh, we install video walls for them behind their their uh, tellers and uh, in their brochure racks and all around the branches, helping div diffuse messages in the branch. Now, this is I mean, this is not something that. Uh, when did you start this? Ten years ago. Now, ten years ago. Uh, this was kind of new. I mean, not everybody was doing it. How did, what were you doing before then? How did you, how did this idea come about? Well, 10 years ago, we, uh, we had a completely different business model and a completely different idea of uh, when we started, I got you media. I'm a lawyer by training, but after no, no, that's okay. We won't hold it against you for the show. Thank you very much. After, um, after graduating law school, I decided to go into high tech. I, like a lot of people, uh, graduating law school in the nineties, decided uh, not to uh, that I didn't want to work in a law firm working say 60 hours a week for $40,000 I wanted mm -hmm. to work 80 hours a week for $20,000 <laughs> and get some stock options in the hopes of making a uh, million dollars by the uh, by the end of the year so I fell into uh, high tech and uh, software 
and really learned to love software because it was something where the first copy cost you a lot of money, but after that it wasn't terribly expensive and you didn't have inventory problems. Mm -hmm. And I liked, I liked technology. It was something that was cool and cutting edge and, um, and a, a little different. Now you said your business model changed. What did you, what, can you repeat again? I got you media when you first started, what did it do exactly? Well, when we first started I Got You Media, we had this idea of putting these tablet computers into cafes. This is before smartphones existed, and um, uh, we figured people, you know, before iPads were out in the marketplace, we figured we could put tablets into people's hands at cafes, so that, uh, as opposed to picking up the Journal de Montréal or the Montreal Gazette, somebody could walk into a cafe and pick up one of these tablet computers and surf the internet free of charge. Our business model was one of selling advertising, or trying to sell advertising, I should say, because we weren't very successful at it uh, at the beginning. So these tablet computers were located at the cache, or near the cache, and your Starbucks and your, your cafes where people could spend three or four bucks on a latte. And we figured these people were the people advertisers would want to market their products to. So we created a software, a content management software for uh, and, and and these tablets showed a, a loop, like a screensaver of ads when they weren't in use. And when somebody touched the screen, they would show banner ads. But, uh, you but know. that model didn't work out so well in the beginning. And when we come back from the break, we'll, we'll hear exactly what did work and, and how you, how you tweak that. Greg Edelstein of I Got Your Media, our guest this evening on today's Entrepreneur at 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 725 on CJAD, our guest this evening, Greg Adelstein of I Got Your Media. And uh, Greg uh, is telling us about that. Uh, well, I guess, Josh, there had to be a shift at some point there in uh, in the business. And uh, and it turns out that uh, the sh the Greg made the right shift. Well, it's it seems that shortly after they started their business, they completely changed their business model, uh, starting with tablets in cafes and selling advertising and maybe uh, you can kind of continue the story Greg so what was the what did you shift to what was the trigger point when did you realize you know this wasn't working we better change and we got to get out of this well we realized pretty quickly because we weren't making any money and we were <laughs> we, as we were losing money we realized we we had to had to change business models we we got into this business uh, realizing there was going to be a um, a huge shift in advertising dollars from television, radio, and TV into into digital out of home, into internet, into um, in, into new media, if you will. And we wanted to take advantage of that. Except we weren't very good at selling advertising, mm -hmm. and it's a tough game. I mean, as uh, as a lot of people have tried to do unsuccessfully, uh, we didn't have deep enough pockets. We couldn't create a big enough network. We we created a network of 50 cafes here around Montreal, but most advertisers like your Cokes and your Pepsis and uh, want to buy advertising across Canada. They want to be able to buy Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver all at once. It's not uh, it's not easy for them to buy small networks because it's it's too burdensome. They've got to buy too many of these networks if they have to buy a little network here in Montreal, a little one in Toronto, and so. 
we got a lot of experience learning how to how to manage a network, how to develop the software, and 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 what the advertisers were looking for. So, in although uh, our business model as a as a trying to sell advertising wasn't successful, it was a great learning experience and one that we we put to great use uh, moving forward. So we switched business models and uh, and realized we'd take a smaller risk and smaller reward. Uh, but it was one that was viable. And so we, we switched the company and using the content management system that we had developed, we started, as opposed to buying the hardware ourselves and trying to create the network ourselves, we we spoke to companies like Reebok. And Reebok was our first uh, large client in the United States that uh, that took a risk with us um, and decided to, to buy hardware from us and license software from us and have us develop content and manage their network for them. So you, you created these kind of digital signs and kiosks in their stores and in different places uh, throughout North America, say? Exactly. So um, back about eight years ago, we started working with Reebok and did the, uh, the NHL uh, flagship store in Manhattan and a bunch of other stores uh, in Patriot Place. Uh, for all you Patriot fans out there, <laughs> there there's a few, sir, maybe a little bit more after last night. Now you're you're approaching Reebok. You're a small business. Uh, why do they go with somebody that's kind of new to this business and and a small company here in Canada? What do you think was the driving force behind why they chose you to go with this program? I think. Um, you know, big companies like dealing with small companies because we're more nimble. Our prices are, are certainly better uh, than the large companies. We can be more competitive like that, but we we can move on a dime. We we have the ability to bring new technology to the market faster and new ideas. So I think, uh, you know, we were we were able to come in with you know fresh set of ideas with Reebok and show them something that they could bring to market really quickly. And so we we had success like that. Was it tough just getting your foot into the door, or was that relatively easy? No, it was it was tough. Uh, fortunately, we uh, we had a friend of a friend who was able to help us uh, connect with the right person. When you're bootstrapping at the beginning and trying to, uh, you know, meet with the right people, it's it's difficult. And so you leverage everything you can and everyone you know to to help set up those meetings and and. And, uh, and make it happen. And uh, and I, I know that you're you don't you don't work alone, and you you do have a partner. But tragedy struck at some point early on in your business. And when we come back from the break, we'll we'll kind of hear how you overcame that that tragic situation. More with Greg Edelstein of I Gotcha Media and digital advertising on the program tonight on today's Entrepreneur Seven Thirty. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to part two of today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening is Greg Adelstein of I Gotcha Media. And uh, Josh, uh, interesting story, they uh, they basically had to change their business. Uh, the second time worked and worked quite well, uh, but they had they they still had some adversity to work through. And uh, and when personal tragedy strikes, um, certainly that can uh, that has the potential to to put a business off the rails. No question about it. And Greg is certainly not uh, acting alone in his business uh i believe there there was definitely a tra tragedy that struck uh, early on and and maybe greg you can elaborate a little bit on on what happened and and what you had to do to get by it 
Sure. Well, um, my partner Michael died um, five years into the business, which was the biggest personal tragedy and professional tragedy I've ever had to face. It was a uh, huge sadness for me and for my partner, uh, Kyle Pilot, who was Michael's brother-in-law. And, of course, the, the families were, uh, were just shaken beyond belief. We, um, we managed to get through it. We didn't know what to do uh, after Michael passed away. We decided, or maybe subconsciously, to throw ourselves into, into our work and just work harder. It was at a point where I got you was just starting to take off. I mean, we had been in business for five years. Mm -hmm. And the first year we had developed our software and second year we had switched our business model. And, and uh, year three and four, were, you know, we were starting to climb out of debt and, and do better. And, and then all of a sudden we, we had this crazy unforeseen event happen and, and uh, you, know, you would think it would never happen to, to you and mm -hmm. never happen to him. And Michael was like a brother. He was uh, just an incredible, wonderful human being. And, uh, and we had a great relationship. And it was, it was, it was so difficult. But I, I got to imagine that's, that's when the teams really got to come together. You know, he certainly played a, an active role in whatever role that was. Uh, but, uh, but when he's no longer there, you have to fill the void. So your, your team around you, your existing, your existing partner, his brother-in-law, Kyle, I'm sure stepped in greatly, but what about the team below you or that work around you? Uh, how did, how did they react? Did you have to kind of motivate them a little bit more or were they driven as a result anyways? I think everybody was, uh, we had a small team back five years ago. I mean, it's only been in the past, uh, four or five years that we've really, uh, taken off and uh it caused us to grow up pretty quickly when uh, when that tragedy when that tragedy struck uh the team was was only five or six employees back five mm -hmm. years ago and now we're you know we've we've been growing probably at 80 percent each of the past three or four years both top line and and bottom line which is to, to say we've been growing pretty rapidly and 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 uh and we're fortunate and hopefully we'll continue to and it was when Michael passed away that we were just starting to take off and we didn't know whether we'd be able to, to make a go of it or not. Big companies are always reticent to do business with small companies mm -hmm. because there's no redundancy. They, they don't know what will happen if. And, and you say, well, there's you know very small chance of, of something like that happening and yet it still can happen to you. So I, I guess, I mean... You got to get over it and you got to sell it. But what exactly? So let's kind of switch to marketing a little bit. How did you get the word out? How do you get people to know that you existed, that you were there for good? And regardless whether you were small or not, that you could make it happen. What were the what were the marketing efforts that worked for you? Well, we've leveraged um, we've leveraged uh, our, our successes wherever possible in the media and uh, making press releases. We've got a a great company by the name of uh, Pragmatic Communications work, that we work with. We've made press releases recently uh, that we're working with uh, via rail. We, we do all the, the uh, payment kiosks, uh, the ticketing kiosks that you have in the train stations uh, around Canada with via rail. And uh, we made a press release about that. We made a press release about the wayfinding kiosk that we're doing mm -hmm. uh, in Ivanhoe Cambridge malls with uh, the Montreal World Trade Center downtown. Um, so 
we don't do a lot of advertising per se, but we do try and leverage our successes and get the word word out. I do a little bit of public speaking where I can. Um, advertising is expensive, as <laughs> as we know, and and uh, and and so we we try and be creative in our marketing strategies. And and I presume, I mean, you, and you try and use multipliers. If you're working on digital signage, I'm sure there's also marketing agencies that you're working closely with. Uh, that maybe I don't know if there's a business development aspect with them that you've you've come to to know and grow and use over the years. You, we use uh, we we sell through agencies quite often as a channel. We I mean we work closely with LG Electronics and Samsung, and and those guys just sell screens. We we sell full solutions. We sell video walls and the installation and the content and the software and everything. And so when somebody calls them, they will often do. You know, Tell them about us and the other digital signage companies out there and try and, uh, you know, and we use agencies as a channel also to get the word out. Now, when you first got into this business and you changed your business model and it was still all pretty new to you, how did you, and, and you're talking about, you know, something that's not so tangible. You put a lot of effort and energy in, 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 the, in the building of the content management system, et cetera, pricing that to get it out, what do you sell to your customers? Was that a difficult process to go through and figure out, I got a great product, I think it's fantastic, what in the world am I gonna sell it at? What price is gonna be the right price that that's not gonna scare anybody away, but that will still put good profit dollars in your pocket? Was that difficult? Oh, it was tremendously difficult. It was a lot of trial and error, and it, and it still is. I mean, this industry is still in its infancy. Uh, Ten years ago, when we started the the business model, we were trying to come up with pricing for the advertising out of home, and and that didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't something we had measured uh, very well, and um, and and it was difficult to price. Today, there's a lot more competitors in the space, and the the cost of digital signage software has come down dramatically, just as the cost of screens have come down dramatically. We're video wall experts, and we keep in tuned to what the competition is 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 charging and we have to be extremely competitive in order to win companies businesses and uh, and succeed out there so there's got now now technology plays an absolutely huge role in what you guys do and it's it must have changed drastically in the last 10 years uh is was there a a big change that stands out and if not, how do, how do you just, how do you keep up? How do you and your team keep up with those huge technological changes? Well, digital signage software has become more and more of a commodity. When we first started the business, we could charge a lot more for it. But now there's a thousand plus players worldwide out there selling digital signage or even giving it away. So we stand out by providing a value-added service and, uh, and bringing our clients more um, and, and that includes gaze tracking software and other ways of, you know, gaze tracking software is a way of, of calculating how many people walk by a screen and how many people look at a screen. And so we're incorporating mobile phone applications into the digital signage that we're doing and, and trying to bring our clients uh, the value add, the measurability that other companies are, are still trying to catch up and, and do. So much more versatile than traditional uh, advertising or putting up a billboard, right? Because you can uh, change those ads, I take it, anytime you want, and you can update them perhaps as, as, the, as the campaign goes along, change the look of it, uh, bring new elements to the, to the material. Yeah, exactly. We can we can show umbrellas when it's raining and sunglasses when it's sunny out. I mean, incorporating uh, 
real-time data into these types of solutions is is the key uh, in terms of having inventory management systems that 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 build you you build your digital signage solution to take into account inventory is 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 critical we're using the gaze tracking software as a for instance you can tell whether there's men or more women standing in front of a screen so a lot of companies just are creating one advertisement or one promotion at the moment but the future will be they'll have one ad for men and one ad for women and depending on who's in front of those screens wow. it'll be it'll be more targeted moving forward we've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and not everybody measures all their marketing efforts but with the with the product or service that you're offering people can start measuring that much more closely is is, is that the future i think the the measurability is is critical i mean we're in in the the data collection business we do a lot of touch screens whether it's it's wayfinding software we're able to tell our clients how many people touch the screen how many people walk by the screen how many people look at the screen the the data collection is critical. We collect email addresses. We can collect all sorts of other information, and it's uh, it's about personalizing that information and 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 then actually analyzing that information is is probably the most important part at the end of the day. And certainly keeping tabs and making sure that software is up to date because uh, that's what you do and those are your processes. Today's entrepreneur on CJD, Greg Adelstein of I Gotcha Media, joins us. We'll continue the conversation about uh, digital advertising uh, with uh, marketing specialist Stephanie Darwish next at 7.45. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, and our guests this evening, Greg Adelstein of I Gotcha Media, and we'll bring in Stephanie Darwish, marketing specialist with Fuller Landau, uh, to talk about uh, about the subject of the night, which is uh, digital advertising. Welcome back, Stephanie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess we'll talk about some fun things we can look forward to in 2015, since it's still kind of the new year. And Greg kind of launched on a good point with his screens that can tell if there's more men or women in front of them and then you target the content based on who's looking at it and that's one of the i mean it's not no, nothing new here but one of the big things is going to be super super personalized uh content for ads and marketing so i think greg's system is going to be quite a hit yeah we can we can tell if people are young or old and segment them by age and that's amazing so you're, wow. you're also can, scary. you can racial profile uh, on your screens <laughs> <laughs> that the the future is uh is a uh, is amazing interesting and scary place both at the same time <laughs> so steph other than personalization uh, what other trends uh, do you see coming for 2015 um more video a lot more original video content especially from everything i'm seeing based on everything people are sharing these like feel good stories that are actually ads that give you all this emotion and it's a positive story about somebody's day being made better by a brand um JetBlue and Zappo did this ad I don't know if you saw and they take like the worst travel day in the year which is the day before Thanksgiving and they set up like little game shows in the airport and people won prizes and free trips and that was their ad so it wasn't so much about shoes so much about making people feel good and everybody's happy and we shed a tear a bit so a lot more of those positive original video ads I think, I think we saw a few of those in the Super Bowl uh, last night. Yes. Uh, 
That's uh, that. That might be part of the trend. What else is coming up? Um, what else is coming up? Let me scroll down here. Oh, uh, we we're just talking about this native advertising as opposed to buying a banner ad. Because as Dan, we were discussing during the break, um, buying a banner ad sure is nice and great, but you're not going to get that many clicks. You might get uh, you're going to be in people's faces and they'll see it, but how many actual clicks you get is uh, not that great. So, but embedding your advertising in the content. So my favorite example and. I know I love BuzzFeed, so it's, don't shame me for it, but I do love BuzzFeed, is you can you can sponsor stories on BuzzFeed, and it's kind of clear that it's a sponsored story, but the idea of advertising and editorializing content as an ad is going to be a little bit more popular or gain more popularity than banner ads. My position is that is that consumers are so cynical right now that there's really no space left to, to hide ads unless it's integrated into, uh, into regular content, like an article or like a yep. video. I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't, I've never clicked, personally clicked an ad ever, and I don't think I ever would. But I'll click those stories that are sponsored, even though I know they're sponsored and I'm looking for the hook, I still am looking for a good laugh or an interesting read. So I think it's a great way to advertise and it's actually maybe contributing something as opposed to just flashing my screen and distracting me. Um, the other thing, the other trend, if you want me to move on to the next one? You can, one more, yeah, sure. One more, okay. Uh, Real-time marketing. So. Uh, when the iPhone came out and everyone was sitting on it in their back pocket and it was bending and breaking, KitKat came out with uh, an ad that showed their KitKat breaking and said, we don't bend, we break. So the idea of like responding to an event real time and like being on it right away is, is super popular right now and will continue to be popular and takes a lot of work, I think, because you, be, you have to be on it right away. So you kind of need the budget and the team behind for that. And a little creativity. Yes. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD, more with uh, Greg Adelstein of I Got Your Media, will have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur and talking digital advertising with Stephanie Darwish. That's next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Remaining moments of today's entrepreneur, our guest this evening, Greg Adelstein of I Got Your Media and Stephanie Darwish, our marketing expert from Fuller Landau and talking about digital advertising, digital marketing, and uh, maybe I'll throw this out to either of you guys. Are consumers really, um, is the average, especially the B2B consumer, are they aware of how powerful this medium is so far? I mean, do they know that they can create ads, that they can change all the time around the clock and they can be responsive to the weather to whoever's showing up in front of them i mean that's that's a surprise to to a lot of us listening i think that the the, the power uh, the range of this this kind of new media well i think um as stephanie alluded to you you've got to react quickly you've got to be prepared to react quickly and marketers marketers today are uh, have to react even quicker. You're talking about uh, at the at the turn of the hour, customer service experts, and I think people on social media have to have to respond to comments that uh, that are made in social media and that appear on digital signs. Uh, you know, half an hour later or, or even sooner, and so people and companies need to 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 move and be prepared to move that much faster than they used to. Do you find you have to educate your customers in that vein? Sometimes, uh, sometimes we have to educate them, and sometimes we're learning from our customers. Things are moving so quickly technologically at this point in time. So, Steph, as you you kind of look down your list and trends for 2015, mm. is there another one or two that uh, you'd like to highlight? Um, kind of again along the uh, video is visual, more visual marketing, some more infographics. I I don't get tired of them. I really like reading an infographic because I don't like to read too much. I guess that <laughs> I do like the visual representation of information, and. Something that I kind of forgot about last year that just 
came up to me again is Taco Bell, like, made a petition so that they could have their own emoticon. So just, like, to grasp how much the visual is important and that Taco Bell wanted its own emoticon so that they we could quickly text each other that we want a taco. Who do you petition for an emoticon? I'm, I don't know the process, but I don't <laughs> think they haven't been successful thus far. But I look forward to the taco emoticon. Do you see in 2015, I mean, there's all this digital, these digital trends and online. Do you see any part or any sector going back a little bit more traditional and, and kind of sending out uh, paper flyers and, and sending out, you know, letters instead of digital and sending out Christmas, you know, Christmas cards, I was going to say, but I don't want to say that because I know your opinion <laughs> on it. I want to stay away from it. But the, the traditional advertising that used to happen where people might appreciate getting something physical, do you see that as possibly a trend coming back? Well, I don't know if I see it as a trend, but I do think it might make you stand out a bit more now because it is less frequent. I don't know the last time that I got a nice piece of print advertising in my hand that I really appreciated, but if it if it is visually appealing and there's textures and it engages me, then I don't think there's a negative to it at all. And I and I, I have to agree and I, I've I've had this conversation with a few entrepreneurs in the last few weeks saying that yeah, it might not be their only marketing decision or their marketing move but it may start differentiating them because it's not just online it's something a little bit more physical and they can touch so i i think that uh, and it's not for everybody i get it, but it's it certainly could be for 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 some people thanks very much steph and as as we come to the uh, to the remaining moment of the show we'll uh, turn as we always do to the entrepreneur and i'll ask you greg what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur well my one piece of advice would be um well I was talking to my my business mentor Alex Khalil about this question and and he was saying, you know, the 3 Vs are really important, the vision, the values and the vitals of a company. You know, vision, where do you think you should be going, the long-range plans and company's goals, and you have to have uh creativity in that vision and 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 you can't just copy and you need to have passion and you have to have values he was telling me, you have to have integrity, knowledge, conviction, leadership, quality and excellence. And you have to have vitals to carry this out, which means you have to have measurable specifics, he was telling me, and ROI and goals, sales goals and productivity goals. And I was listening to him and I was thinking, that sounds really great, Alex. I mean, he's he's been uh, the CEO of five companies and he teaches at McGill and and uh, he now mentors I Got You Media. And that's, you know, a great answer. But I, I, I got to thinking my my advice would be actually to have a mentor, to have somebody like an Alex Khalil, to somebody who can, has got 40 years of business experience, somebody who's looking to pass on their knowledge to somebody because there's no substitute for experience. And having somebody who who is like an Alex Khalil is, is great, somebody who can really help your, your company and be a sounding board. And, and I think it's, it's, it's definitely uh, understated and most entrepreneurs, if you can gain knowledge from somebody else, then by all means do so. And the one quick takeaway, Dan, I'll get just before we end is uh, at the beginning of the show was realize when your business model isn't making sense and don't be afraid to change it. Don't be stubborn. Know when it's time to make the move. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Stephanie. And Greg Eldestine of I Gotcha Media. Thanks uh, for stopping by, Greg. And next week, Miss Prête à Manger, next Monday night at 7 here on Today's Entrepreneur. It's 8 o'clock on CJD.